Welcome to our podcast series on IT modernization in government, underwritten today by Splunk. I'm your host, Wyatt Cash, and in this week's episode, we're talking about how the massive shift to telework across the nation has impacted federal, state, and local government IT departments. And we'll look at some strategies that IT departments can use to help adapt to these circumstances. Our guest today is Steve McMahon, Interim CIO at Splunk. Steve has had a long career providing technical services to enterprises across North America, serving in a variety of leadership roles for the likes of IBM, Cisco, and for the past five years at Splunk. Steve, welcome to the program. Thanks. It's great to be here. And it hasn't necessarily felt like a long career, but now that you say it... (laughs) (laughs) Well, government agencies, like most enterprises, have had to literally transform their digital operations almost overnight. What many people may not appreciate is the scale involved in that or the complexity because of how many legacy networks the government still operates and the number of employees they must serve. Steve, as an enterprise CIO, what does it take to pivot to a change on this kind of scale and ensure that your employees, first of all, have optimal access, and second of all, that they are adhering to the security requirements necessary today? Yeah, it was a uh, pretty significant challenge. And uh, the first item is we were a little bit lucky, Um, so I'll be forthcoming in that way. We had a sales event in early February where the Asia-Pacific teams could not attend and they had to dial in virtually. So that forced us to uh, have some steps already in place to increase our VPN and firewall capacity. Ultimately, when we started to see the pending COVID challenges in March, uh, we decided to drop everything and make that our number one priority. We increased our VPN capacity by a factor of five. That's a pretty common step that many enterprises have taken. But some of the more subtle elements that I think have been really critical are taking the friction out of a user's environment. So just as a really simple example, in our offices, we have a service desk and everyone loves that because there's a person, you don't have to open up a ticket and it's a very frictionless engagement model. We actually pivoted our entire service desk. So we pushed everyone to Slack. And so there's no longer a ticketing system in the way. And and we just wanted to reduce the friction and get everyone onto a common playing field. And that's how not only did we shift all of our employees to being remote workers, we shifted all of our services to being targeted toward remote workers. And that's something that I think has really helped keep our employee productivity very high because we're meeting employees where they need to be met and we're empathetic to the environments that they're in these days. You mentioned security and security becomes far, far more complex. So just a a minute about Splunk, we are an IT department. We run a data center. We have public and private clouds, and we also use SaaS services. So we are just as complex as every other environment, and we're in the midst of making some cloud migration changes within our environment. So I'd say very similar to some of the challenges that the, the government faces. To me, The biggest issue here is about monitoring and instrumentation. No one wants their users to be the monitoring system and get a call saying, hey, my thing is down. As a result of COVID and everyone working from home, we've also tripled down on our monitoring across a hybrid environment. Hybrid meaning software as a service, public and private cloud, and data center. And I know this isn't a product discussion, but I was thrilled when Splunk purchased SignalFX and Omniscient because those are native cloud monitoring products and those solve the problem for me. I'd say the third element that's also equally important, VPN. 
it's kind of a necessary evil, but I have to have it because we need access to some elements that are in the data center. So where we really spend a lot of time and focus is on employee identity and making sure that employees have the right access to the right tools in the right spot. And we did that with automation. We bought a, a package called SailPoint to do that because in our environment, we actually are FedRAMP compliant. We have to be very specific and auditable about who has access to what. So by using a combination of changing resources, removing friction, and limiting VPN to the minimum things necessary is how we've been able to shift from where we were with two, 300 people remote at any one time to at least 8,000 every single day. Well, we've certainly seen remote workers acclimate pretty quickly, particularly around collaboration platforms. But what about employees who need access to more restricted databases and applications? What's your advice on how to keep up with these kind of new demands, especially in the event that there's an outage or a security issue? Yeah, so there's access, number one. The key point that my team was working on since about the October timeframe is the concept of an employee identity that you should only have access to certain systems and that automation needs to back the concept of identity using our, uh, we use Workday as our HR system so that when you make changes and you move from team X to team Y, your identity changes along with that. Because historically, access control was what we'd call a belt and suspenders exercise. And I think everyone knows you end up with the least common denominator of access in that context. And it means people have access to too many systems. But we can't throw bodies at that problem. As you said, IT help desks and support personnel are already stretched thin. So it really comes down to automation. Realistically, automation is not a new topic. Scripts have been around forever and ever. But what is different is we're transforming our IT department to look more like a software development team. So concepts like continuous integration and continuous delivery, where a pipeline pushes code without a human involved and the QA process is mostly automated. We've got a goal for my team to push code once per week, but that's really only possible with a framework that automates most of the manual toil. When you put automation in place, frankly, that's really the only way you're gonna be able to guarantee the right level of access. Of course, you've got the applications out in the wild and you need to make sure you have security controls. We used to use the analogy of a hacker trying to exploit a certain port. If I don't have any monitoring, then that hacker can just bang away all day long and do whatever he or she wants. But if I've automated everything, then I have a monitoring system that's in play that can detect when somebody's banging away on that certain port. And if the runbook is automated and can shut down that port before that hacker has, has any ability to do anything bad, I've taken humans out of it. I've gotten a very auditable and repeatable task that is very inexpensive. And now I've gone from a, an area in a world where I've got people staring at green screens, taking that away and replacing it with repeatable tasks that are automated is a much more scalable and cost-effective way to run an, an organization. Well, and doubling back to an earlier point about the security, obviously with so many teleworkers logging in from home networks and on their own equipment, you mentioned VPNs, and some would say that those home networks through the VPN become an extension of the corporate network. So there's a lot of risks. What are you seeing as a CIO in the way of new types of risks that you now have to guard against at your organization? So I would say the risks aren't necessarily new. They've just migrated somewhat. So 
when you have an employee that has a laptop or some form of endpoint, it's always been critical that you have some form of data loss prevention software such that if employee X downloads something, you know when he or she has done that. That goes from important to unbelievably critical because you now have Johnny on his or her Xbox who can download something that you have no control over and pushing that across the entire network and potentially impacting the the laptop that's provided by the employer. In addition to that, we've seen a fair amount of phishing uh, using COVID-19 as some of the bait. So the key point is making sure that the CIO and the CISO have a good relationship, first and foremost. So Yasir is my partner at Splunk, and we take and look at the user experience and our security posture quite literally on a day-by-day basis. The second thing is we're actually rolling out some recommendations to our employees. Since we're going to be at home for an extended period, there are some changes to their network that they really need to make. As a very simple example, we're actually recommending to all our employees that they have two different SSIDs for their wireless network, one for everything they do that's work-related and one for their family. And that way, when an employee is using his or her laptop at home, They log into the the SSID for their corporate-related things, allowing that to be separate and distinct from whatever their family is doing. That's a great tip, actually. Let me shift gears a little. Many government agencies and a lot of our listeners currently rely on Splunk to gather and analyze security and other enterprise data. Tell me, what lessons have you and your IT team learned from using your own products during this crisis that might be helpful to your customers? It's a great question and actually one that we talk about whenever I have executive briefing center discussions with our customers. When I joined as the interim CIO in August, what we've seen inside Splunk is every group had their own dashboard. And I'd say, oh, you know, how are you measuring and monitoring your service? They'd say, oh, we have this. What never happened was the integration of those services onto a VP, director, or CIO level dashboard a single pane of glass that really describes the entire health. Also, what I saw was too few customers and Splunk IT, by the way, we did not understand the dependencies between our different systems. So just as a really simple example, we had the networking team monitoring the network and we had our collaboration team monitoring all the collaboration tools and they didn't necessarily have the same exact set of data. So we implemented at Splunk using IT service intelligence, and that's a product that Splunk sells, which draws out the different dependencies between tools. So I'm an old ops guy. And what we used to find is when there was a P1, everybody got on the phone and was guilty until proven innocent. By using ITSI, it has allowed us to understand the dependencies, find the actual fault before everybody gets on that P1 bridge. So instead of spending the first 15, 20 minutes just trying to figure out Do we have the right players on the call? Whose problem might it be? We've actually pinpointed it. By the time everybody's on the bridge, we're actually already troubleshooting. That's one thing that has really cut our mean time to resolution by having one single set of data that everyone across the IT organization can use. Let me ask this final question. You know, government has been talking about IT modernization for a long time, and some agencies have made some pretty impressive strides. But how do you see this type of crisis affecting those initiatives? And what are maybe some of the silver linings you think CIOs might take away from this crisis? 
It's a, a terrible crisis and it's sad what is happening in our environment. But to your point, it actually does create a burning platform for IT. And in that context, it allows a CIO to say, I only have so much money. I can only do certain things. So I need to ruthlessly prioritize. And it also is allowing me to push for simplification. Because when you say IT modernization, one of the key elements there is simplification of the IT systems so that IT can keep pace. So the silver lining for me is it's given us a little bit of a mandate to force taking out-of-the-box software and to force simple software solutions rather than go through all the requirements, understand all the nuances of the business and taking forever to roll something out that's really complex. That's really where we've pushed hard to say, hey, you know what? We understand that may support 2% of the business. We need to focus on the 98% of the business and get a tool and system out the door very quickly. So that's been one of the subtle nuances that this crisis, which is just terrible, but it's given us the ability to move much, much faster than we have in the past. Well, I think a lot of CIOs and CISOs would agree that the crisis, is, as challenging as it's been, has also been an opportunity to focus on what's really essential. And hopefully there will be a silver lining to better ways of doing things. I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it there for today. Steve McMahon, I want to thank you for joining us to talk about some of the lessons that CIOs might take away from this sudden shift to telework and some of the things that they could be doing to help their employees and their agencies at large. And we'd like to thank Splunk as well for underwriting today's episode. Look for more of our coverage of IT modernization in government on fedscoop.com and statescoop.com and our radio channels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. This is Wyatt Cash, your host. Thanks for tuning in.